Alright guys, sorry about that. We had some technical difficulties, but let's get into today's show. We're going back to our roots doing another Jubilee Middle Ground, and this one is all about race and gender. In fact, we're asking ourselves the idea, are we too obsessed with race and gender? Let's talk about it. Ladies and gentlemen, a happy Monday. Man, we were sweating for a second there. We went live, we had no audio, but Taylor, Kobe, Cam, they got together, put their heads together, figured it out, <laughs> now we're here. <laughs> this, you know, it has nothing to do with the fact that I'm back for doing the producer bay for two days and something catastrophic happens. Yeah. Nothing to do with me. Yeah, nothing at all to do with Taylor, uh, even though he's the common denominator here. <laughs> <laughs> but Taylor has a flight to catch to Nashville right after this show. So I do. it's crunch time. We might have a quicker show for you today. I apologize in advance for that, but we're still gonna have some fun. We're gonna be reacting to Jubilee, as I said. This is an older middle ground that I have not seen yet, and we're gonna get into the topic of identity politics, where six strangers are gonna duke it out on these topics. Maybe it'll be respectful. Maybe it won't. Let's see how heated it gets. Okay. Privilege exists between races, genders, sexual orientation, etc. I think I would walk forward for this only because I think in individual instances this can happen. Uh, we see preferential treatment towards women these days. I'm sure we've seen it towards men. Uh, you know, people treat others differently sometimes based on race, gender, sexual orientation. Does that mean that there's some sort of systemic privilege set up for individuals based on their race, gender, and sexual orientation? Mm. I don't know that I'm inclined to uh, fully believe that. I'm sure if you had evidence of it, I'd be willing to hear it out. But we all get to enjoy certain privileges uh, in, in this life. I always say there's never been a greater time to be a black female in America because I get all the privileges thrown at me. I can get whatever job I want. I can get into whatever school I want. I can do whatever and uh, be, that, be that good old diversity hire, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> The privilege of past oppression or whatever. Yeah, yeah but, exactly. You know, and I, yeah, this for, for me, privilege is such a broad term. Like I have the privilege of being taller. So people stop me in the grocery store and ask me to grab stuff off the top shelf. You know what I mean? That, is that some profound thing? No, it's like if you analyze someone from a bunch of different angles, you can find different privileges that everyone has or might not have. 100%. Okay, that's some walking forward. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I feel like the word of like 2019 is privilege. I like to see it in terms of um, opportunity. I would much rather the conversation be on socioeconomic status as a form of privilege um, rather than race. Um, and this is what I think Valid. was the intention behind affirmative action in college, um, was to bring people from underprivileged communities um, into higher education and great higher education at that. But what it's become now has become a tactic to get into college. I, I definitely agree with that. She's absolutely right before we get into this guy's point. I think you could have really had something with affirmative action if you took socioeconomic status into account and school resources into account. And we've talked about this at length, of course. But instead, it just became like a race war and an oppression Olympics over, you know, who's had it worse? How many like different people of different colors can we get into our university to really boost that diversity quota that we have, which is why 
you saw Asian students take affirmative action to the Supreme Court and say, I'm against this because I'm a minority that's being negatively impacted by affirmative action policies. So clearly, it's really not about diversity in the sense of actually getting people from maybe different backgrounds. Uh, it's more about just, can we get more black students? Can we get more brown students? Like her, I would m much rather see a system based around taking socioeconomic status into account and talking about things like resources and the area that you grew up in rather than specifically being about race. That Some of that. Um, I definitely think that your socioeconomic status doesn't automatically absolve you from um, having experiences that come with being in a marginalized group. I think privilege is real. Mm, I don't know man you see a lot of like rich successful black people and i don't know that they're you know going out and experiencing major acts of racism or uh, systemic racism on any on any like given day I, I i'm not sure that i'm inclined to believe what he just said i think where you are at in terms of money and socioeconomic status is going to inform your your life's experience far more than than your race. Is that to say that rich like black people and brown people don't experience racism at all? No. And I guess to his point, it, then it wouldn't absolve you of those experiences. I just don't think it's as big of an issue as somebody with his mindset might frame uh, racism. I think as a man, there are certain things I get to do. And it's hard for me to list all of them right now in a way that if, you know, a woman were to do those things, they would be questioned more or they would be doubted more or people would, yeah, people would question them. That's true. But do women also get to do certain things that if men did them, they would get questioned and they would have skepticism or they would maybe be judged for doing it? Yeah. So I think using these ideas that are true like these kind of broader truths about yeah there are things that i can do as a man that a woman a woman can't do or could do but would be judged for using those broader truths to justify that say we like live under a patriarchy is where we start and get getting into issues so far these people have been really respectful and reasonable in, in talking about what they're talking about so i'm excited to hear more this could actually be a very fruitful conversation I, I believe that there is one privilege that exists, and I think that privilege is green privilege. Green privilege, the societal advantage that being rich affords. UrbanDictionary.com, okay. So when I think about these things where I like to say, oh, well, you are an Asian American or whatever, you have certain privileges or things that I don't have, I think what that does, it forces us to inherently say that because this person is privileged, then I am by default automatically underprivileged. And it always allows you to say, oh, well, this person, you know, he has a fancy car or whatever. This person has a fancy vehicle or whatever. Um, mm. I can't get that because that person is a white person and I'm a black person. Or that person is, you know, a high ranking executive and it's a, a male versus a female. Look at Barack Obama, prime example. You could argue, oh, well, he was a person of color, therefore he didn't have the same privileges or whatever. Make no mistake, Barack Obama, he had quite a bit of resources from which to draw. Sure, I agree with that, but I just gotta, I gotta go there, is can you imagine Barack Obama talking like the current president does and still getting accepted by the general public? I mean, you would never know. These are all like prejudgments that you're making based off of what you see, which is the very heart of the problem. You don't know what Obama could or could not say or what he, could, what he would get away with he sure as hell got away with a lot during his presidency, but we don't even need to get into that. All presidents do, and like our, our elite class does. Uh, and that's just something that I think should be acknowledged. Uh, there's 
a lot of things that, that politicians get away with regardless of their skin color. And maybe just because they're not doing it publicly in front of your face doesn't mean they're not doing it. We shouldn't immediately look at a black person and go, oh, well, you, you couldn't do the same thing as a white person and get away with it because it, I think we flipped that narrative on its head and it's happening. And I can agree that there are some ways the president tweets that I don't necessarily support. In the yeah. United States, you could argue. And mind you, this is while Trump was president. So this is not under the uh, Biden administration, just so you guys know. Okay, maybe there is a white advantage right now or in this modern context. You place that white person in, in the streets of India, it's a completely different context, okay? This is a very, we're in a bubble. They say that there, there is privilege and there isn't privilege. Rich people get overthrown in countries every day. I think we're nothing, specifically nothing talking is, about Nothing America. is off right. the books. Privilege isn't saying that it's, that anything is impossible for a certain person. Or know? that everyone else has it easy. Or that, every, right. It's also sure. true that some people have handicaps. And we live in a country specifically talking about this particular right, bubble, because right. everyone has a different bubble, sure. yep. that was made by a bunch of white men that owned other people, <laughs> and women couldn't vote. Whoa. I understand the argument made about the Founding Fathers, their past transgressions, what it was like for women in the past, but uh, I, I just want to, of course, always bring in this sense of acknowledgement towards the progress that has been made in this country just because something horrendous like slavery was happening at the time or women not being able to vote was happening at the time, which we can go back and forth on who supported what and you know the, the backbone of belief amongst our founding fathers. But that doesn't mean we throw out everything uh, that the, the founding fathers brought to us ideologically that, that created what is a great country that we now live in, a country that was able to eradicate uh, you know, the inequality between men and women and eradicate slavery faster than virtually any other nation in existence. I mean, slavery is still happening to this day. Uh, so just want to put that out there. What we see now is from our politicians and people who want to remain in power or rise to power is they exploit those characteristics that make us different. We put labels on everything. Mm. So I think identity is intrinsic to who we are as beings. Even if there's turmoil or people are butting heads, I think from that friction, we can spark some members that can really change a lot of things. Just because people put labels on everything doesn't mean that they should, right? And I think we can acknowledge that we as humans have patterned thinking and we like to be sort of tribalistic in how we view each other and separating ourselves into groups. And that's the survival mechanism that we have to, you know, go with the familiar recognized patterns for our own protection. But now that we are out of a state of like sheer survival being the driving force of everything that we do, even though maybe subconsciously it is, we can start to talk about maybe how we remove labels. And that's not to say removing labels like man and woman and things that we can like just biologically uh, study and, and see in ourselves, but maybe like these groups of, of labels that don't mean as much uh, you know, like like being black or like being conservative or being liberal or whatever, uh, we can start to stray away from. That's been the journey that I've been on recently. It's just like, do we need labels? I'm often labeled as like a conservative commentator, which I get because many of my leanings are in that direction. Uh, but now I'm kind of just like, ask me about a certain issue and I'll tell you how I feel about that one in particular. And maybe it'll be a typically conservative point of view, maybe it won't. Uh, the labels sort of lend to this 
like tribalistic war that we go back and forth on where as soon as you're labeled as something we have this preconceived notion of what you are and that can happen with race it can happen with sexual orientation it can happen with political ideology you name it as soon as you slap a label on yourself to me you make things more difficult I prefer to vote for a candidate that looks like me Okay, I prefer to vote for a candidate that looks like me. I would not walk forward for this. Uh, there's no preference in my mind. Uh, and I know we, we saw this when Obama was elected in 2008 of like groups of people just saying, I'm voting for him because he's black. Like, I'm not even looking into what he's asking for all that much. I'm voting for him because he's black. And you had white people do it because they wanted to see a change in this country. You had black people do it because they saw somebody who looked like them. And while I can understand the tribalistic drive, that word's gonna keep on coming up when we talk about identity politics, of course. While I can understand that drive, let's look a little deeper than that you know if you get to the heart of his policies and you agree with them then place your vote for them but i'm not going to go and like vote for somebody because they look like me or, or give preferential treatment to them because they look like me if that were the case you know miss harris would have have my vote and we all know how that would work out <laughs> okay. i don't believe that i'm going forward. to just vote for someone because they're black or okay. because they're male or because of anything that they have in common with me i don't think that would be the only reason it would play a part in why i would vote for that person because of the experiential wisdom they would have behind certain social issues that i experience as well i get what he's saying i like that he gave the disclaimer that i'm not going to vote for somebody purely because they're black but if i did it'd be because i feel like we have a shared experience my pushback would be you do not know that there are so many black people, biracial people that I know that we don't have a shared experience. I'm half white, there's white people that I know that I, we don't have a shared experience in any sense of the word. So just in seeing somebody and going, oh, they look like me, does not mean that they have experienced anything similar to what you've gone through in your life. And this whole idea of, you know, stepping into other people's shoes, we remove that when we give way to things like identity politics. Because you're just assuming that they've stepped in your shoes when more than likely they haven't because we're all unique individuals with unique experiences. To assume that by virtue of someone's skin color or nationality that they automatically must know what it feels like to be me. No, you don't. Like no one knows what it feels like to be me, but <laughs> I'm sorry. He's just going to say exactly what I'm thinking. Damani's <laughs> killing it in this episode. He's doing really well. Me. I agree with that. Also, I think when you have certain struggles, like say you grew up poor and hungry, we would be fighting for that guy to win, right? Because it's a sense of coming from the dirt and rising up. That we love an underdog, right? I think there would be an element or groups of people who would think because you were poor and you, you were hungry at one point, I'm going to vote for you, but that, not me. Not me. I get it. You had a, a, a struggle in your life. It does speak to maybe a sense of character and drive that you have. But if you're advocating for bad policies that I don't want to see, you know, come to fruition in my community, I'm not going to vote for you just because you were poor and you were hungry. Because now you're not anymore. You're running for public office. And if you're not supporting my values in your run, bye. <laughs> That's it. That's the American dream, really. So when we're talking about someone who's brown or someone who's um, femme, you know, female, or someone who uh, is black or whatever, I think it's the compassion and the empathy that they have from coming from that struggle. So that's really what I want for a leader. 
all humans divide themselves up into groups naturally, and it's up to us to be able to channel that responsibly. There's a lot of problems in the discourse right now, but I think we're having conversations now that need to be had and need to be reckoned with. Dude, you can tell this is old school Jubilee because it's actually respectful. <laughs> like, the people are actually going back and forth with their thoughts and having like a real deal conversation. Nowadays, it's just like at each other's throats a little bit in these, in these videos. Movements like feminism and Black Lives Matter have created more unity than division. Nope, I'm staying back. 100% have created more division than, than unity. The very premise of both of these movements in the modern sense is to create a divide amongst people. It is really not to bridge the gap, no matter what they say the, the goal is. And mind you, this was twenty pre-2020, pre-George Floyd, yeah. uh, when they had this conversation. So what you're about to hear will be in that time. Right, we should check back in with these people. <laughs> yeah. like, should have checked back in with them a year later to see how they felt about that particularly heated summer we had in 2020. Hey, too Did it create unity within the people that found solidarity in those movements? Yeah. Absolutely. Does it create discord amongst the larger society perhaps definitely is that discord necessary probably yeah. i would say i think about the black lives matter all lives matter thing and as a white person um black lives matter helped me understand a little bit more about what a black experience could look like in some situations and it's not that other lives don't matter it's just that right now this particular issue needs a little bit more attention. It's like saying, oh, well, I'm here to fight for breast cancer. And someone else is like, no, all, all cancers, cancer. let's do an all cancer pin. It's like Except it's not the same because your blackness has nothing to do with who you are as a person or what your experience is going to be. So to make your argument of black lives matter is to say that like all black people are sharing in this some, somewhat collective struggle that you're pushing forward in this movement. And that's not the case which is why so many black people spoke out against Black Lives Matter. And I think we're going to see the black guy, Damani, come forward and say, yeah, no, uh, this movement was not helpful. So it's not the same as saying we should care about a particular type of cancer for now because these people are hurting the most. Why is yeah. it only breast cancer? But why can't, we have like, why can't we have these little moments of focus on these specific things? I'm gonna start off with a very bold statement. I think that Feminism, coupled with Black Lives Matter, have done so much more harm than good in our modern society. There is this deep-seated resentment that has been left unaddressed in a lot of the African-American community, but what matters is the way you channel that and what you do with it. There's been documented instances where they say, hey, white people who are here, get to the back of the group. Like, this is a Black Lives Matter group. I'm just like, you said you wanted help, but it seems like you're more preoccupied with being angry than finding a solution. And I think you're talking right into the pitfall of identity politics, which is the common enemy identity politics, where it's it's me against him, it's us against them, they're the problem, right? But there's another side of identity politics, something more in the likes of MLK. So you draw a larger picture around a group, and then you bring in commonality. Where I agree with you is, these movements are losing steam and lost steam because they didn't extrapolate from the grievances of the people if there are systemic issues like corrupt cops, who's for corrupt cops? Everyone can get behind that. It became the us versus, us versus you. 
Yep, 100%. And like when we talk about police brutality, I don't think there are people who are saying it's 100% not an issue. Like it's not something that ever needs to be addressed. There are plenty of police officers that would abuse the power that they've been given. And they do that against black people, white people, Hispanic people, Asian people. Generally, if you're power tripping, you don't care which race you're power tripping towards, right? So how do you package the conversation surrounding police brutality as this is a general problem and a problem that affects all communities, as we have seen? I mean, there are videos on the internet of, of police officers killing white men. Do, do those go viral? Do those make the news? No, they don't. And it's part of like the media machine and packaging the narrative in a way that is like palatable and accepted by people. And unfortunately, that narrative is not accepted. But had you done that, and had you said the general issue is that we just need to like fortify our training programs for police officers, make sure that they're operating without bias, and that they or at least a healthy amount of bias let me make that very clear and that they are trying to de-escalate situations to the best of their abilities which i believe most police police officers are trying to do we know that if we look at the stats but how do you package the movement that way i don't think there's really a person who wouldn't get behind that you'd have a few stragglers who said oh no it's not an issue police officers aren't doing that you know it's a fake video stuff like that uh but instead they went, black lives matter. We hate white people. This is white privilege. This is white supremacy. And then it goes, oh, you know what? You've really turned me off to your whole movement because now I feel as though I'm going to be attacked by your movement eventually. And uh, that's what they've done. And as he says, creating a common enemy like that doesn't work when the people you're trying to get to rally behind you are part of that common enemy group. <laughs> Just doesn't work out. It's us versus them. I honestly believe the organization of the Black Lives Matter movement was um, intentional, that it focused on black people. Separating the black experience from the other experiences is important because it is specific when you're being targeted, like stop and frisk, right? It was specific. So I could probably ask, have you ever been uh, touched aggressively by a police? Why was stop and frisk targeted? We can talk about the ethics of it, right, but why? If we were looking at like demographics of perpetrators of crime, what were those demographics looking like? That's not to say we implement something like stop and frisk, but it's just to say, it's not just out of nowhere that the system just went, we don't like black people, let's stop and frisk them all. Police officer. Not once. Never in your life? Not once. Never in your life? Never. Okay. And how many times have you been like, aggressively searched by a police officer. The one time it was pretty aggressive. He said my license plate lights were out. That's why he pulled me over and they weren't. And he was just kind of slamming me like over and over. And I was like, okay, bro, you don't have to slam me. I'm not resisting. And then more ca cars came and then they had. I just want to say what happened to this young man is not right. So long as he's telling the story truthfully, that should not have happened to him. But this idea that this is happening to like most black people in America is simply false. This is not a shared experience among all black people in the United States, probably not even the majority of them. But because the narrative is perpetuated through the media, through movements like Black Lives Matter, people are convinced that this is the case. And it's not. Had me on the ground and they handcuffed me and they took everything out of my car and then they uncuffed me and they said I was free to go. But still, that's a traumatic experience. I didn't do anything wrong. I wasn't speeding, whatever. 
you know? No, I'm, in a, like, I'm in a white neighborhood. No one's saying there isn't prejudice or racism in, in any type of situation, mm -hmm. but that's a, that's a cultural uh, dynamic that we need to address as a society and community. That isn't something you can regulate out. Like, I can't regulate someone to respect me. But know? that's why civil rights is important, because you can't force you know, people to say black people, I like black people all yeah. of a sudden, but you can say they get to vote now. It's about rallying people in order to change policy. So I wanted to speak on the feminist movement. Uh yeah, but just what policy is, is Black Lives Matter advocating to change that is in any way, shape or form going to help black people? Like what, what's one policy that they're advocating for, for change towards that is truly gonna make an effect within the black community. I get if we're gonna reference like the civil rights movement and rallying for the vote and for women's right to vote, it's a whole different story, right? But at what point is your progress achieved? At what point do we draw the line and we go, maybe this movement uh, of like Black Lives Matter is no longer necessary? Um, really quickly, I would call myself a feminist in the literal sense of the definition if we're talking about the political, so, um, socioeconomic, and uh, social equality of the sexes. I think there's a lot of people, I, I think the majority of Americans would agree with that definition. But what feminism has done now is it's gone completely to the other side, in which case pro-life feminists aren't invited to the conversation anymore. Um, women that support Trump, and yes, we do exist, we're not invited to the conversations anymore because we're automatically seen as that at face value. True. I struggle with these extremes, right? Whether it's just good or just bad. I, I think that the 24-hour news cycle and, and algorithms <laughs> on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram um, are damaging to the country because they help us get into our trenches even deeper encouraging identity politics in a negative very great point when you're on the internet and you find something that like resonates with you and you like that thing they're going to feed you more of that thing so if you are finding yourself in an echo chamber it's because these platforms give way to you finding that echo chamber it's why when you watch this show you'll get more content just like this show and it will push you deeper instead of saying like try something out this is different from what you normally watch we want to throw a wild card at you of like a leftist that you might disagree with they're never gonna do that because they know that like the conversion rate of actual engagement on a suggestion like that is not high so they're going to force feed you more of and not force feed you're making your own decision but they're gonna feed you more of what they feel you're going to like which is just gonna build the the walls around you I try to branch out when I'm on social media and actually look into accounts that I know for a fact I'm going to disagree with. Uh, not only because it helps us with this show to discuss these topics, but because it helps me maintain a little bit more of my sanity and not go down, you know, some of the pipelines, as uh, the wokesters call it. Americans are too focused on race. 100% walking forward on that. It would do us a lot of good to get rid of a lot of like the racialized narratives and of course I can't speak all that much I respond to them on this show but um, I hope more so from a place of critique to sort of disband some of the ideas we have surrounding race but it's just too much and I feel as though if we had a good like month where we said nobody's allowed to talk about race I'd put my name in the hat I wouldn't do it either 
and we'll we'll just see how America goes from here and then we you know lift it at the end of the month I think we'd see a lot of progress of like it allows people to step outside of themselves for just a moment and to realize that the world keeps spinning our lives stay pretty normal we all really for the most part with a few outliers of course try to treat each other with dignity and compassion and respect and that doesn't leave our bodies when you know the idea of race enters of course you have a few people who are racist and actively so but the majority of people are just trying to live their lives lead happy successful lives and really aren't trying to cause problems with other people based on their skin color we have people who would rather talk about oh this is what you're racist and this is almost what you're prescribed set of values, this is what your thought process should look like. And I think when we apply that lens to every situation, that we abdicate the ability to critically think for ourselves when we yes. are always self-segregating ourselves based on those things that make us different. Just because you have a common trait doesn't mean you have a shared experience. Right. You know, and it might be true in one scenario, right? But what happens in the mainstream is we start conflating several different experiences with the same common trait. Right. And that's where the idea kind of implodes on itself. I guess I agree with most of what everyone brought up. It is reductive to re reduce your thoughts and perspectives just to a group or a race. And I would just say, like, first of all, like growing up in Kansas, like an Asian identity was never really discussed amongst me or my friends or anyone I knew. It wasn't until I became an adult, moved somewhere like Los Angeles where people are interested in having a discussion that I started to see what that was like, what that experience was like. And not saying if a candidate is Asian, I automatically agree with them, but there are certain things that people treat me as that people wouldn't treat you as, wouldn't treat you as. And it's helpful for me to realize those things without saying that I'm totally identified. It's interesting because Maybe he misspoke or like I just didn't get the full context of what he's saying, but it sounds like he was saying when I grew up, nobody really acknowledged the fact that I was Asian, which would be the good thing to do. It would just be like, oh, yeah, you know, there's Chris and uh, Chris hangs out with us and we don't really talk about like what his Asianness is to him and we just treat him like everybody else. And then he says he moves to California and then his Asian identity started to be discussed. To me, that's a move backwards. <laughs> and it's cool if you want to like share parts of your culture and maybe that wasn't getting brought up. And at, at the end of the day, I think that's on you. If you want to talk about your culture, you bring that up and have the discussion with the, your, your peers and your community. But for you to go somewhere and for your race not to be acknowledged to me is the end goal i'd buy that and furthermore i feel like we need more discussion because like look at things like the uh college admissions thing people are saying that there's too many asians in college and they're actually pitting asians against black people for a lot of these slots it materially affects people's lives to have these discussions so i think it's valuable so you can't say oh well we need to see x amount of this race in college because that's fair okay so his solution to the idea or the the argument that there are too many Asians in college and that they're, you know, stealing spots from black people is to talk more about race. To me, it would be to take race off as a factor from college admissions, because then it wouldn't matter if there was more Asians than black people. That would just be the way it panned out. It would just be that Asian students are outperforming black students and that's how they're getting in. And then it would create an incentive structure for black students to do better to get into the same colleges. You know, a lot of people could look at what happened with affirmative action 
where Asians are getting snuffed out of their spots in Harvard and Yale and Penn or whatever. And they could go, now we need to do affirmative action in the other direction. Now we need to give preferential treatment to Asian students and we need to put them at the top of the list over black people because they're outperforming. Or you could go, ah, oh, maybe this race thing didn't get us anywhere and we need to take that off of college applications. And if we wanna help poor underprivileged students, we should start asking them what sort of community they grew up in, what sort of resourced school they went to. And that will be how we judge you know, how well a student responded to their environment and how well they did given the circumstances. I'd vote for the latter, not that we do affirmative action in the other direction because when you continue this cycle, guess what it becomes? Now we have to do affirmative action for white students because they're not getting into colleges anymore. Oh, back to the black ones. Oh, we forgot about Hispanics and Native Americans. Let's do a set of affirmative action for them. It's a never ending cycle when you give preferential treatment to a specific group. That isn't fair. What's fair is anyone that wants to be here can try to be here. But race yes. has been used to exclude people from institutions as well. And I definitely agree that entering into college, now that we've lifted those bans on who can go and enter into these institutions, I definitely agree that there should be a framework where race isn't involved. I think identity politics are, like a lot of things, it can be misused but we have to understand what the caveats are and the limitations and in in that framework I think identity politics is very useful it's reasonable to expect others to learn new gender pronouns oof this will be the last one we do it's reasonable to expect others to learn new gender pronouns I am not walking forward on this um, people can do that if they would like to and they can adopt your new gender pronouns, the they, them, the zeezers, heirs, the <laughs> Lorax, Lorax's pronouns or whatever, <laughs> if they want to. Right. Everybody has free choice. Yeah, the key word there is expect others to learn them. Like yeah. you can use whatever pronouns you want to use in your world, but don't expect the rest of society to adapt itself to your individual preferences. 100%. There was someone in my groom's party and I was like, we, my wife and I didn't know how to handle it. And I asked whether he would want to be, like how I would introduce him to the rest of my groom's party. <laughs> and I'm embarrassed thinking back on that now because that put them in a difficult situation, but. They put you in a difficult situation, not you put them in a difficult situation. I think we need to make this really clear. If you're coming to the table with new pronouns, you shouldn't feel a sense of entitlement that people know those pronouns, utilize those pronouns, don't mistake you for something else. You are in fact, through your own personal choice, placing that burden upon others. He should not feel ashamed or embarrassed for doing what would be a super compassionate thing really at the end of the day and asking him, is there something you would like me to, to call you? Overly compassionate in my opinion. Thank goodness their, their heart was big enough and they were kind enough and understanding enough to be able to say, just introduce me as a guy. That's what I am. That's my gender identity. I'm trans. It's good for people to understand gender. Uh, it, now they're uh, creating the language around it being a social construct, which is in itself definitely very true. 
I love that he said now they're just creating the language around this being a social construct because that's exactly what's happening. Or others will make the argument, oh, it's always been. Uh, you're, you're creating the language around it. We don't have a framework set up right now where that can be fluidly expressed because we will box people in based off of how they look. But identifying is, is important so we can free up that truth and people can really just uh, feel much more autonomous with their identity. Brilliantly said. Now what we're learning as science is that gender is a spectrum. Okay, so how feminine you are or how alpha male you are is a spectrum and on that spectrum we fall. So how many, how many of these pronouns do we need? Are there a billion variations that we can genetically identify? Like wh what I'm trying to get at is I think we're too closely tying our gender and I, to, our, to who we are. Just going off of the prompt is, is it reasonable for people to learn new gender pro pronouns? The question is how many? Because today I'm not sure how, if I look at Facebook, I think there's, like a, there's a multitude of different gender identities and at some point we have to ask ourselves, okay, well where do we draw a line for what is reasonable? How many names do you think it's appropriate to get someone to learn? And here's my honest opinion. Male learning somebody's name is far different than learning like a restructuring of, of language regarding pronouns. It's a totally different thing and it adds so many other elements to the way you speak with people. Which is why, you know, if I was in a situation where somebody had like new neo pronouns that they wanted to give me for their name, I would just refer to them as their name. And that would be, I'm gonna call it a day as far as the effort on my part to to compel my speech in the direction that you want me to compel it. It's still a respectful thing to call somebody by their name. You're not getting into any sort of heated discussion by like purposefully misgendering an individual and everybody's free to do as they choose. I'm gonna just call you by your name. I'm not gonna learn like a, a new sentence structure to refer to you. Male, female, like I feel like that's enough to get the gist of what you're experiencing. You cisgender, right? You, you are agreeing with the gender you were given at birth. Yes. Honestly, you're not really going to be able to feel into an experience of someone who doesn't identify with either, who identifies with both, who identifies with one opposite of the other. I don't and he shouldn't be expected to. There's, there's no reason that he should have to sit down and, and figure out what that is like. If he does that, that's just a kind thing that he's choosing to do on his own. Again, like your experience is your experience. Your language is your language. And if you are developing new language surrounding yourself, then that should be enough for you. Don't feel a sense of entitlement to push that language onto other people. I don't get to push my perception of reality onto other people. Nobody's going to see the world through my eyes. Nobody's going to have the exact same thoughts that I have. Do I get to force people to have the exact same thoughts? Do I get to sort of impose my percepted reality onto them? No, I'm in fact, I'm incapable of doing something like that. Just like you are incapable of compelling people's speech in this way without some sort of major authoritarian force. I don't think it's reasonable to force someone else to call you by whatever you identify as. Now I know, I already know people in the comments, y'all have fun, do your thing, I don't care. But <laughs> he, here's the thing, for a, group, for a group that claims to champion tolerance and true diversity, what I have seen overwhelmingly is a lack of willingness to accept what other people think. 
Okay, Damani, crushed it. I think that's where we're going to end on uh, this episode of Jubilee, Our Americans Obsessed with Race and Gender. Like I said, super respectful conversation. I love that everybody was just trying to hear each other out and really get gain perspective on how others are thinking about this. Were any minds changed? Probably not. I think everybody stayed on their, their side of the aisle for this. But interesting, nonetheless, to hear a respectful, highbrow conversation surrounding this. So let's get into Super Chats, Taylor. Yeah, I'll say watching this a couple years after it was filmed is really interesting, too, because they're talking about, like, well, the Black Lives Matter and stuff, but also how they're just formulating the language and such now. And yeah. now it's like they're not talking about it in terms of this language is being changed or whatever. It's like it's you cemented. accept this language or else you're a bigot. Yeah. Right. So that's interesting. That but. is crazy. I didn't even think about that. Uh, okay. Just a couple Super Chats today. Uh, Alex says, hey there, gang. Fresh and Fit just got demonetized. Other than for free speech reasons, do you agree they should? be demonetized stay safe over there no i don't agree that they should be demonetized i think you can find advertisers for any sort of content and if advertisers want to have their ads on fresh and fit they should be allowed to do that um i thought their video about it was super cringe but uh, i don't agree with them being demonetized he's like you know we've changed so many lives we get so many dms about like guys who say you've saved my life you know now my girl makes sandwiches and stuff like that and he was saying that Dead ass, just straight, straight face. face. Yeah. Um, very emotional about the guys whose girlfriends now make them sandwiches. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. They should not be demonetized. They should be protected. Yeah, broadly speaking, we're pretty chill about free speech and think that people should be able to say what they want to say now. Yeah. YouTube does have certain policies. I don't know what specifically they were demonetized for. If they consciously violated policies in a repeated fashion, maybe. But even then, we generally would probably fall on the side that YouTube's policies are overly restrictive of free speech. So you're, it's going to be tough to have uh, something that we would say uh, that somebody should be demonetized for. So. Yeah. Um, Sup, my dude says, as a mixed person, I'm shocked at how prevalent race issues are now. I grew up in the 90s and 2000s, and it wasn't anywhere near as pervasive then. Yeah, I think some sort of like a bug just like came and infested people's brains when it comes to this stuff. When I think back of like when I was younger, things weren't that bad. But like the seeds were being planted for racial tension and a broader racial discussion. And it's now come to what it is and like come to a head today where it's getting overly aggressive. But obviously I wasn't alive in the 90s. But from what I've seen of the 90s, it didn't seem to be anywhere near as much of an issue as it is now. No, as a, I mean, I really resonated with what the Asian guy said about growing up in Kansas and no one cared about his race because I grew up in Oklahoma and like, you know, there was... It was, you know, it was mostly obviously more of a white area in like Tulsa, Oklahoma, but uh, it was just chill. Nobody, yeah. like, you know, and, and it's like everyone's accepted and like, yeah, I mean. We're chilling. Yeah, so it definitely <laughs> seems like we're moving in the wrong direction. Um, Must Pavlov Dogs says, I had my first unapologetic dream last night. You were covering a YouTuber controversy and I made a joke in a super chat that you guys loved. Can't remember the specific details, but trust me, it was hilarious. Oh my gosh, I'm appearing in people's dreams now. That is crazy. That's a whole new level of influence. (laughs) Your dream's kind of coming true because you made us laugh in this super chat. So, I mean, it's kind of meta, but it's happening. That is very meta. So, that's awesome. Uh, And again, you're my favorite 
super chatter name must pavlov dogs it's just such a great pun I love yeah it. so uh alex again says come on now guys 300 three likes with 800 watching it's a like is free and it helps the stream don't be stingy now are, are you guys safe over there in california yeah we're doing good i i was i'm from florida right so this whole hurricane yeah. hillary thing was coming up and i was like it's not gonna be anything you're like it'll be a cat one by the time it hits southern california i'm like oh we're not even gonna worry not even i'm like it's probably not even gonna be a tropical storm by the time it hits us i know some people obviously down south were much harder hit i think i saw a ton of videos of like cars floating in the la river but we just got rain for like uh, 20 hours straight yeah what freaked me out was it. the earthquake that happened an earthquake. in the middle of the tropical storm i was driving at the time and the car like shook all of a sudden it was in and i was like i asked my wife was with me and i was like was that wind from the storm mm -hmm. and then we got a our phone started buzzing that we just had an earthquake it's like dude this is crazy. yeah well driving the one that would not be fun hilarious that would not be fun while driving i was just sitting yeah. on my couch working and my couch just like wobbled for like two seconds and it was yeah. over but i wasn't anywhere near like the epicenter of right i think it was out in like ventura happened. yeah but anyways yeah glad i'm going back to tennessee tonight <laughs> <laughs> before anything <laughs> any other calamities don't you guys strike. have like tornadoes and stuff yeah, over there do, it's actually. way worse yeah but you know uh, California just doesn't like me. It's mad at me for leaving. I was hoping to get some more beach time in this weekend. Just didn't happen. Just didn't but. happen. Oh, well. Uh, just another bookworm says, Ah, yes, I will vote for someone based off immutable characteristics because of racial and gender stereotypes, not their actual values. I roll. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. People will realize, though. I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic that people will start to realize that none of this makes sense. And that, I don't know. Internally, it feels like we're on the uptrend of, like, people are getting over wokeness. It feels like it. I'm seeing more and more content creation surrounding, like calling this stuff out. It's becoming less censored on the internet, I feel. Uh, and maybe that speaks to a, like a broader trend that reasonable people are starting to speak up and be over this stuff. Yeah, certainly seems so. And we're, we're here for it. Yeah. Uh, Diva Dawn says BLM and the media has participated in the divide and conquer strategy, and it has worked very well. We are now more divided than I can remember. Yep. Like we said, we were talking about the 90s, or at least what the 90s seemed like. It doesn't feel like it was anything like this BLM, women this, men that, constantly at each other's throats, trying to figure out, you know, who needs what. Ugh. But again, I think we said in the last one, I think people are ready for, like, more unity again, more just being chill and yeah. not so polarized and crazy. So we're moving that way. Yeah, hopefully helping things move along that way. Um, bad ideas poorly stated says, do you think we would still hate our own system after living in China slash Russia slash India? The West seems to be where people GAF gaff about minority, oh, give up F about minorities slash feelings. Yeah. I mean, the only reason we're having these major conversations surrounding race is because we're allowed to have those conversations in this country. Like it reminds me of Brittany Griner going over to the, to Russia and of course being detained there and her whole history of like hating America suddenly changed tune so quickly when uh, we utilized our efforts as a superpower to get her back to her home country. And now I don't think you're ever going to see her, hopefully, kneel during the national anthem ever again, talk shit about this country ever again, because she could be talking shit from Russia. Right. In prison. I just saw a graphic on uh, Twitter today that was like um, migration over the years. Like there used to be um, like a much higher population in all these African countries than in Europe. And now that's kind of flipped and like Europe's population has exploded and Africa's has gone down or whatever. But um, 
it just is emblematic too of like why so many people from all over the world are migrating to Western countries, to America, Mm -hmm. why that's such a destination. It speaks to you have more freedom and opportunity under values of liberalism and in those Western societies. And uh, that the proof's in the pudding by human behavior. You'd watch what people do and you, you know, you can see where they want to be. And, and so yeah. for all that we like to criticize ourselves and say everything's so oppressive and we live in this patriarchal society and all this stuff, like, you know, why do people still want to come here if it's really so bad? Yeah. Celebrate your ability to criticize. Yeah. Um, if Gratz says America's a mix of races and different worldviews, and that is the beauty of it. Everyone should have a place to express themselves appropriately. Agreed. Right there with you. Well, said okay just a couple more here let's see market garden says speaking of echo chambers this should this tent this should tends to be one maybe the show tends to be one maybe it'd be a good idea to bring in people who offer a different perspective from time to time hey we have plenty of videos of people who disagree with us i've actually been on jubilee middle ground uh several times i think we talked about this uh on friday's show last yeah. week but yeah check out our content where we have debates and different people we brought uh, a transsexual and transgender person in this studio and yeah. we kind of moderated between them for We've like had a two-hour rough discussion uh-huh. man <laughs> uh-huh. yeah and like people who are often considered like on our same side, I think we'll we'll be fair in calling out or criticizing from time to time as well. So I mean, we do our best. Hundred percent. But uh, Alex says, Amala, they do get many super chats saying that FNF did save their lives. Possibly not true, but they have really helped me though. Hey, I'd be curious to you for you to explain how. Like I can understand stepping up in your masculine energy maybe, but I don't know how healthy their their version of that is. I think there's an element, of, just like with Andrew Tate, I'm sure there's many people who have been helped by him and have changed their view towards something or have gone in a better direction because of what he said. I just don't know that the net force that they give uh, on the uh, the frontier of thought is uh, is positive. Yeah. Uh, Okay, sorry, I had to refresh my super chat list here. Um, Bartholomew, I think this might be our last one, says, Hello from Ireland. Unfortunately, all of this has spread across the ocean and into our schools as well. Teachers encouraged Mm. to use pronouns with kids. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think Western Europe, (laughs) for the most part, is going to see very... A lot of the same stuff that uh, is going on in the U.S., if not sooner uh, than later, because it just spreads like wildfire and these ideas get picked up. And I think that's our super chats for the day. Oh, righty y'all. Thank you so much for watching. I'm so sorry about the technical difficulties of the show. Hopefully we'll have everything fixed and we'll be back live on Wednesday. We do have a video coming out tomorrow. uh, And I won't tell you exactly what the video is about. You'll have to wait and see tomorrow, guys. Thank you so much for watching. Please like, subscribe, click the notification bell to be notified every single time we're live. That is Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. And we post videos for you guys every single day. So don't forget to subscribe and turn that notification bell on. Guys, I will see you tomorrow. Peace out.